that uh, I started figuring out about 15 or 16 years ago when I was in the ministry, and that is the complexity of the blended family. So we're in a series called Questions. So after the last few months, um, I asked you guys to fill out uh, right on the back of your communication card some questions that you have. And during the summer, I like to kind of do it, change up stuff, because attendance is kind of crazy and all that kind of stuff. So I like to have a little fun. And so one of the questions that I got was, how does this blended family thing work? How are we actually able to kind of figure out where we we come together? So let me give you a few statistics, and then we're going to look into this. About 75% of everybody who divorces will remarry. Okay, so if you're divorced and you're single, 75% of folks who are divorced will remarry. 43% of people who are, who are going down to the county and getting marriage license, 43% of those marriages are remarriage. At least one end of the two, it's a second marriage or third marriage. 42%. Okay? About 65% of remarriages have children in, uh, involved in it, specifically younger children. Okay? As I said last week, um, I function in the, in the world of the real, okay? And I know some of my friends who, have, you know, who are in the ministry, they like to talk about, well, you know, the problem is and all this other stuff. And, and sure, we could sit down and talk about that stuff, but, but the reality is, is that the majority of people in churches across America today are in some type of a blended family situation, And for the church to be silent and not speak about how to help them and how to equip them to blend the families together is foolish, all right? And so we want to get into all the other, you know, stuff, and if only this and that wouldn't have happened and all this other stuff, okay, it's 2015, we're here today, and the reality is blended families are all across our community and all in our churches all over the place. And so we just need to be real about that. In 1960, about 13% of marriages were going to be a second or third marriage. Today, as I said, uh, about 43%. So we've seen a a big spike in in that remarriage and those kinds of things. So probably about 16 years ago, I started recognizing in my time of counseling with postmarital counseling is that there was conflicts and some of them were blended families. At that time, our church was much smaller, and yet I could see that this is kind of the, the direction that we're heading, and at that time, there was very little help out in the Christian world for blended families. In fact, there were no ministries out there, parachurch groups that would write books and so forth uh, to help blended families, and yet the reality was they were sitting in our church, So I kind of started doing my own little thing to try to figure out, well, what is the best way to help them and help them kind of blend this thing together and and make it work because that's the reality, that's where they're at and what's taking place. Now, fortunately, since then, we've had some great ministries that that evolved and are very, uh, have great resources for blended families and so forth. And so through the years, I kind of took what I learned on my own and some of the other ministries that are out there and kind of brought it together. Because what I found was there's about five or six common problems in blended families that I began to see 
a pattern, regardless of who the people were, their ages, and even in some cases, their kids. So this isn't just about, you know, if your little kid is like five. I mean, this is also can fit in if you have adult kids as well. Um, I, I started seeing a trend in about four or five of these areas. And so I started kind of digging into and trying to figure out, well, you know, what does the scripture say about it and what are some areas that we can do to help them, all right? So here's what one guy says about blended families because I think that the idea is the word blended sounds so wonderful and harmonious, right? I mean, it's like this family and this family and they blend together and they live happily ever after, right? I mean, that's the description of the, of the word, and that kind of helps us to think, well, you know, how wonderful that is, okay? Here's what one guy says about blended families, and he's one of the forerunners of uh, ministries for, it, uh, for blended families. He said it would be like taking a jigsaw puzzle of a thousand pieces, shaking it up, dumping it on the floor, throwing the cover box away of what the picture looks like, putting blindfolds on each of the adults and say, put it together. Because when you say, you say a thousand, I mean, there's only three kids. Yeah, but you have values, you have, you have personality traits, right? You have a multiple things that are taking place in there. It's not just two kids or three kids. You know, there, it is very complex in doing it. And yet the idea is, well, we're just going to blend them together, right? And it's all going to be fine. And we're just going to pack up and go home and, you know, it's, it's all going to be good. But the reality is that's not the truth. In today's America, 73% of households are either single or blended families. 73%. That means only 27% are a traditional household. Okay? So for the church to be silent, I think, is foolish. I think the church needs to speak about it in a way of helping folks equip them so that they're able to move forward in success. I've said this before. First-time marriages, 50% end in divorce. Second-time marriages, around 70% end in divorce. Third-time marriages, you think it gets better? gets worse. 80-plus percent end in divorce. So you think about that. It's, and I say this, it's one of the only things that you do more than once and you get worse at. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, think about that, right? I mean, if, if, you, if you built a house, your first house, hopefully your second house, you're going to be better at it, right? But in marriage, that's not the case, which is a whole other you know, issue, and there's some issues about not uh, being healthy and all that other stuff. So let's take a look. If you're not from a blended family, I believe that God has a person or family in your life, and trust me, don't sit and think that everything's peachy keen in that. It isn't, all right? It doesn't mean that it's horrible. It just means that they need some encouragement and some help. And my hunch is, is that we all probably have either family members or we ourselves are part of a blended family and we need, to, we need to address. So let's take a look. Number one, and I use the word facing on each of the main points. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted 
to par- part of helping this whole thing blend together nicely is you've got to face the reality. You've got to see it for what it is. Okay? And so, the first one is facing the disillusionment. Okay? The idea that there is this, you know, we're going to ride off into the sunset, that everything's perfect and everything's going to be wonderful, and I finally got released from my past marriage and I found the new Mr. and Mrs. Wright and now that I married the new Mr. and Mrs. Wright, he's gone, she's gone, it's all over and I have been set free and the congregation yells, Hallelujah! Get over that. Alright? Get over that because that is not the reality. If there are children involved, You are connected to that person whether you like them or not for a long time. And when there is grandkids involved, you are still connected to that person whether you like them or not for a long time. Because there's going to be graduations, there's going to be marriages, there's going to be Christmases, there's going to be celebrations, there's going to be times, and you got to realize that just because it's legally over, it isn't over. Okay? And that is one of the big problems that a remarriage has. That they think that because it's over, and the new one is here, and I have a new partner, and someone who loves me, and I love them, and it's so wonderful, and I don't know what I was thinking about last time, but this time I got it right. You know, all that kind of stuff, it does not release you from the bondage from the past. Okay? And you have to recognize that, and you have to face it. So the idea is, here's what happens in most families. He finds Mrs. Wright, she finds Mr. Wright, Someone who will love me. Someone who I can love back. And we're going to take our little crumb crunchers. We're going to put them underneath our arms. And we're going to go into the new house. And we're just going to have an absolutely wonderful time. And he's gone. And she's gone. And I don't have to hear that anymore. And I got this new thing. And it isn't heaven, but I can see heaven from here. And it's all going to be great. Unfortunately, that is an unrealistic expectation. because there are challenges along the way. And when you allow, when you allow your heart to drive in the relationship, you will miss the red flags as you go into the relationship. Okay? Because what ends up happening in these blended families is that you finally think, I found the right one, it's all over. I can move forward. All right? What ends up happening is your heart, I don't mean the heart in your chest, but the emotions of it take control. And all the red flags and all the caution and all the beware and all the friends going, I don't know, man, I'd rethink this. All those things are like, push to the side. I love her. She loves me. We're going to ride off into the sunset and it's going to be absolutely terrific. Now this is a true story. The couple unfortunately are divorced and have since moved away. When they first met, he coached Little League. 
and her son was on his team. She absolutely loved the fact that he was willing to invest in his son's life and invest in all those little boys on that little league team. And that drew her to him. And about four years later, three years later, the one thing that so charmed her heart was the very thing that broke them up. You want to know what it was? His whole focus was on his kid, not her. And so what won her heart ended up breaking her heart. And that is pretty common in remarriages. This is, that isn't about blended families, that's remarriages. Okay? And so, when your heart has captured you and you're totally focused on it, you don't see the red flags. You don't see your friend going, hey man, that's great that the guy is in love with his son and he's totally into that, but you need to recognize that that's his number one. And if you're okay with that, then that's okay. But if you think you're going to sweep in and you're going to become the one, it's not going to happen. So just make sure that you're facing reality for what it is. doesn't mean that it's a showstopper. just means that you need to recognize that that's the reality of it. In a blended family, it takes four to seven years to blend together. The average blended family lasts three years. Okay? So there is a time of learning and syncing up, and if you don't, fight, if you don't work through it, then you never experience the blended family part. All right? And that, that oftentimes happens. So let's take a look at a warning sign that you need to be very cautious of. And it's on your outline there, and it says the warning sign. Anytime someone says or thinks this, you are in a state of denial. And that is, I deserve to be remarried. If you say that or you think that, then what you're allowing is you're allowing your heart to overcome the loneliness that you're going through. And if you do that, you will miss any of the red flags or yellow flags or cautionary issues in the relationship because your heart is what's driving it. Okay? And so that is a, a warning sign. And that's even in second marriages if children aren't involved. Anytime a person is getting remarried and they say, I deserve to be remarried, you need to step back. You need to have a little heart-to-heart talk with that person because the chances are that they're allowing their emotions to drive it, not reality to drive it. Okay? And so there, there's, a, there's some things that involved in that. <clears throat> Number two, the second thing is, is that you have to deal with facing Real issues. Again, if you're living in a state of illusion, you think it's this way, and the reality is it's a completely different way. And so there are some issues that you need to deal with in it. Now, Proverbs 24, verse uh, 3, and this is a true verse for any of us, whether we're married or not, and this is what it says. Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. Now, let me you can just circle those two words, wisdom and understanding, okay? And this is... Trust me, even if you're married, you need to work on this. Here it is, all right? First time marriages. here's, Here's what wisdom is. 
Wisdom is to know what to do and what not to do in the relationship. Okay? Wisdom is to know what to do and what not to do. Understanding is to know when to do it and when not to do it. Okay? So think about that. So that verse is, homes are built on the foundation of understanding what to do and what not to do, and when to do it and when not to do it. And if you have and you become an expert in your spouse, if you are married, you ought to become an expert in her or his behavior. If you have children, you ought to be an expert in your children's temperament and personality traits. Okay? You probably are, you just haven't really figured it out and sat down and think about it. So wisdom is what to do and what not to do. Uh, understanding is when to do it and when not to do it. Okay? When you do that, you begin to build a house on a very strong foundation. So here are some real life issues in blended families. And some of these, to be honest with you, they're true and even in, in first time marriages. Letter A, personalities. Do you think there's a multitude of personalities? Come on, folks. All right. So do they fit together? Do the children fit together? Okay? Now, when I do premarital counseling, the premarital counseling stuff that I use is before I say I do, it is designed specifically to surface differences in the relationship. I don't care if both of you love NFL football. Okay? If both of you want to come to the early service at church on, in the NFL season and go home and fill your living room up with all the placards of whoever your favorite team is and wear your hat and your jersey and stand up and holler at a bunch of big old muscly men making millions of dollars playing a kid's sport. If you want to do that, <laughs> knock yourself out. But if you love football and your spouse despises it, that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah? Some of you know that because it, during football season, you're all alone. And you say, I'm going to make him pay, literally. And every Sunday you go to Macy's. <laughs> so you've got you've to search out and seek out the differences, not just in the new mom and dad, but also in the children as well. Do their personalities and their temperaments, do they, do they jive or not? Okay? Is, is one an early riser, one a late riser? See, that's the problem. If both of you like getting up at four and jogging, what's the argument? Right? But if one likes to get up at four and the other one likes to get up at 4 p.m., that works for about six months. And then it's a problem. Some of you are going, how do you know? People are more alike than they are not. So that's all, I, that's all I can say. B is traditions. Okay, traditions. Who's going to go to what holiday? Where are they going? How do we celebrate it? Is Christmas a big deal? No big deal. Is birthday a big deal? No big deal. How, how does all that work out? Well, what about court orders? Who gets the kids on what holidays and all that stuff? That is a reality that you have to live with. All right? And you, you know, is it fair? Is it right? The judge did this. Okay, I mean, 
Remember, we, we got to live in the, in the realm of the reality. Okay, not whether the court was fair or not fair. I don't, that ain't a dog, I, you know, I don't got a dog in that fight. The reality is, you have traditions in your home. You come from, have certain traditions. Your new honeys or husband's going to have a new tradition. Your kids are going to have traditions. And you're going to have to try to blend them together. All right? So you have to be real and realist about that. Letter C is adult matters. Okay? Adult matters. And let me give you a couple of them. One is achieving marital intimacy after being hurt. Let me give you this vision. Your, how, your body is like a, like a, a six-bedroom house. Okay? When you've gone through hurts, you have certain areas of your house that you close off. There are rooms and there are wings and there are places that you have shut, nailed the door shut, and no one can get in because part of surviving your painful past is closing up those areas. And that's how you have survived and you have protected yourself. It is a human instinct. Okay? The problem with that is when you go into the new relationship, if you have wings and doors and spots of your house that are closed off, your new spouse is not going to get into those areas because you have barriers and walls built. So imagine you have a six-bedroom house. You need every room, but you're only using two because you have four of them nailed shut. And someone comes over to your house and goes, hey, what about the other four rooms? They're nailed shut. No one can go into them. Well, you need them. Can't go in there. See, when you think about it as, as a house, you go, well, that would be crazy. But in a relationship, that's exactly what we do. And so you need to recognize that you are, in order to achieve the intimacy in the relationship, you have to deal with your past hurts and, and, and problems. So this, again, this is a whole separate thing. Health attracts health. Disease attracts disease. If you want a healthy relationship and you want to get remarried, you become the healthiest person you can be and you will attract healthy people. If you are not healthy, mentally, spiritually, and physically, you will attract people who are and I'm going to use the word ill, and I don't mean to throw you under the bus, but who aren't, who aren't healthy. Have you ever thought this? You've seen two people get together, you go, man, I don't know how in the world she could find every stinking rascal in the community. How is that possible? You ever thought that? You want to know how? She's not healthy. Because if she was healthy, the hel- the, the, uh, if she was healthy, she would recognize the unhealthiness in the other person. But she doesn't. So health attracts health. Disease attracts disease in relationship. Just as in our physical body as well. Alright? Uh, where are we at? Number, are we on the second one? Spiritual, uh, spiritual integrity and involvement in church. A lot of times, and I uh, hope that isn't the case here, a lot of times in churches there's a certain amount of shame and guilt from becoming a new blended family and going through a divorce. And sometimes people feel a little bit hesitant to get involved in that. And my prayer is that that's not the case here. Okay? In- integrity uh, or integrating family members over time. Again, it's, it's four to seven years. Okay? If you're in year two and you're struggling, you've got five more years to go. Okay? 
Just, just, just recognize that bringing them together, it isn't going to be blended right away. Okay? You may have found the love of your life, but your kids do not feel that way. Okay? And we'll get into that in a moment. Dealing with ex-spouses. You're lucky you're here today. I'm going to introduce to you at the end of the service two guys that will bump people off for 50 bucks. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you're like, man, I'm glad I brought cash. <laughs> just kidding. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, at the, at the end, toward the end of the message. The last one is money management and financial autonomy. Okay? That is always an issue in remarriages because if, and again, this, I'm not going to get into all well, the judges unfair and all this other stuff. If there's alimony and child support, just recognize that there's alimony and child support from a past relationship and you got to deal with it. See, here's what happens. And again, if I had this once, I had it a hundred times. A couple years into the marriage, the car starts having problems. The new wife says to the husband, hey, you know what? We need to buy a new car. Can't. Well, why not? Well, because I've got to pay child support and I've got to pay alimony. I'm tired. Every bit of money that you make goes back to your ex. Now, I'm not saying whether it's fair or not fair. I'm just saying we've got to face reality with what reality is. Right? And so there is an instant conflict with the new spouse when the, the, they're paying money. And again, I'm not saying that they ought to be paying it. That, that isn't the issue. But when they're paying money back to the ex for child support or alimony. Instant problem. So just know, and I see some of you guys giggling. So just know going in that that's a reality. And you face the fact. Right? Again, if you're going to make it through, you've you got to go in and not live in a delusional world and recognize the reality. Number three, the biggest problem in blended families is dealing with parenting. That is the number one cause of divorce in blended families. Parenting. And, as I said, I think to a certain extent, even in remarriages, or in first-time marriages, there's always a little bit of a problem. A funny story, when I was doing this, uh, there's a section in my bo- the book that we use on parenting. And I asked, um, we got into that, and it was a first-time marriage for both of them. And I said, you know, when your kid did discipline your kid, how are you going to discipline? And the guy's like, man, I'm going to spank that kid in the bottom. And man, she turned on him like that. She said, you're not spanking my child. <laughs> and I said... That's what this book's all about, trying to find the differences, right? And so we had to deal with, well, how, you know, what's the proper way of, of, uh, of, of discipline and all that kind of stuff. But it, it is the number one issue in blended families. How are you going to deal with it? How are you going to overcome those, those situations uh, in, in, in a child's life, okay? So in your outline, look, look beneath it. Most people don't recognize this and don't understand it. It is more difficult on a child when a remarriage occurs than when the divorce occurs. Okay? Now, just think about this. For the, for the adults, they don't see it that way, do they? In fact, they see it as, are you kidding me? I finally found Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. They're on a mountaintop. They just found the best thing known to mankind. But their kids 
do not feel that way. Because the kids recognize that mom and dad reconciling is over. Done. So how one guy describes it as after the marriage, there are aliens in my home. Okay? Now, they may have played at the park real well. They may have done great at Disneyland together. But after the marriage, there's like a shock of reality. And now you have another family moving in and that group of people are coming into my territory and they're aliens. And that's how, especially as little kids, that's how they process it. So one of the remedies that one of the, one of the folks say is that everyone in a home in a blended family needs to have their own space. Now, if you can't do bedrooms, you try to figure out some other way, but everyone needs their own space and everyone needs their own stuff. And that will help mitigate some of the aliens in my house thinking. Okay? But the parenting part becomes the biggest issue. And so here's the way that that begins to unfold. Letter A in your outline. This isn't just for blended families. This is for all of us who, have parent, who are parenting. Is there something that's called parenting by guilt? How many of you have ever heard of that phrase? Okay. Let's see it again. Hold your hand up so I can see. Okay. All right. So here's what parenting by guilt is basically uh, how, how it works. <clears throat> you have children, you go through some type of breakup. You feel guilty that your children have, do not have a traditional home. And you have separated them from mom or you've separated them from dad. And it's been traumatic in their life. And there's a certain amount of pain that they've experienced. There's a certain amount of separation anxiety that they've, they've experienced in their life. And so you feel guilty about that. And so what you do is you equate discipline with pain. And because they have already experienced enough pain from your choice in the breakup, I don't want to discipline them because discipline and pain are the same. So you parent by guilt. Meaning you are lenient when it comes to disciplining because that child has already experienced enough heartache and enough pain. Now look with me, skip down uh, to, to Proverbs 3 verse 11. Here's what the proverb writer says. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not resent his rebuke. Well, why not? Verse 12. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. So God disciplines us not because he wants to cause, you know, punish us, but because he loves us. And so when we parent by guilt and we do not discipline our children, then in a sense, we are not loving them. But when we parent by guilt, we've equated discipline with pain. And they've already gone through enough of it, so I don't want to do it. Okay? 
And that becomes very problematic. Because the next one, number letter B, is step-parent involvement. And here's the way this works. And by the way, let me just say this. This is true if you have adult children as well. This isn't just if you have adolescent children. <clears throat> you need to figure out what the involvement of the step-parent is going to be. Okay? What discipline are you going to allow them to do? Now, there's two trains of thoughts. It's extreme. That they're not the parent, therefore, they have no parental control. They're to just be a good friend, loving to their stepchild. The other one is, hey, he's the new dad, he's the, she's the new mom, she's involved, he's involved. Okay? Now, whatever it is, you need to figure that out. Okay? You need to make sure that you figure it out, and you see in your outline, you've got to write down the rules. Don't just talk about it. Because if you talk about it, then what did you say? I don't remember. Oh, I said this. I don't remember that. Yes, I did. Okay? You write it down. So everyone knows the ground rules. Now, here's the way it works on parenting by guilt with parental involvement. Okay? And I'm going to use, it doesn't matter the gender of the child, but here's the, way, here's the way it typically works. Mom has a son. The new stepdad comes into the house. Mom feels guilty about separating and breaking up that family, the initial family. She parents by guilt. Okay? So the little crumb cruncher's in the room. He's flipping out. Mom goes in to try to straighten him out, set him up. He doesn't listen. He says, shut up, throws the toy at her, be quiet, blah, blah, blah. She goes out. She's crying. She goes to the new stepdad, who, by the way, isn't parenting by guilt. Okay? She says, honey, I need you to go in there and help me out. He's just railroaded me. He's telling me. He told me to shut up. He told me to get out of there. He told me, blah, 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 blah. And so the new stepdad says, okay, I'll, I'll walk in there and take care of it. So he walks in, sits down, and says, hey, listen, here's the way it's going to go down. A, you're not going to treat your mom like that. B, you're on restriction. C, no, you can't go to a water park. D, no, you can't stay all night at so-and-so's house. Okay? And he lays down the law. Okay? He comes out, says, honey, I got it taken care of. Little crumb cruncher, he got it. We're good. Well, what'd you do? Well, I said, he has no privileges. He can't go to his buddy's house this weekend. He's not going to go to the water park. He's not going to do this. And I take away his allowance. Oh, thank you. What'd you do? You took, you took away what? He, he was looking forward to, oh, and his buddy. Oh, now I got to call Susie Q and tell her they can't go together. Right? And so... Guess what mom does? Don't say it because I don't want to give you out, all right? She walks into the bedroom and she says, oh, honey, he didn't mean that. What he meant was, you don't have 20 bucks this week, you got 40 bucks this week, right? And she undoes everything that he just did, okay? So she comes out and she says, you were too harsh on them. You didn't treat him like he was your own. If he was your own, you'd have been lenient on him. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Okay? A month later, 
man, you got to go in there and straighten out my son. He told me to shut up. He told me to do this. He told me to do that. And here's the new stepdad. The new stepdad goes, I ain't going in there. Well, you don't have my back. I will, might as well be a single parent. You know, it was just like when I was single. You're no, no help, blah, 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 blah. Well, listen, you can only put your foot in something so many times. Right? Before you realize, I'm not going to put my foot in that anymore. So they pull back. And as a result of it, it creates a division amongst mom and dad. Okay? Now, and I see many of you, and I know some of you, because we've talked, you're smiling. (laughs) If you have a blended family, you need to sit down today, and you need to write down who's doing what, what are the responsibilities of the parent, the co-parent, and how all that works. Whatever it is, you need to settle in on it, and you need to write it out so that everybody understands what the rules of engagement are. Otherwise, you will get to a point where you will have a division in the marriage. Okay. Now, that's also true even in traditional marriages as well. If you don't figure out your parenting, you're going to have problems in it. You on C? Letter D. Are we on D, right? No, we're on C. Parenting and co-parenting, you need to get on the same page, so I just covered that. Letter D. What about difficult exes? How do you deal with them? Right? Remember, the divorce doesn't end the relationship. It simply reorganizes the relationship. That's all it does. And if you have children involved, that's a, it's simply a shakeup of the organizational chart. Okay? So what do we do with difficult exes? As I said, Guido, he'll be here this afternoon. You can meet him in the back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right? Now let me say this too. If your ex was controlling in your marriage, he or she will be controlling in your new marriage in two ways, with your kids and with your money. Okay, So if they were controlling in the past, even though they're gone, (laughs) they're back, right? They're here and they will control with your children and your money. Okay? And some of you know how that drill works. Now look at Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on your wonderful ex, (laughs) as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now watch the verse, verse 19. Do not take revenge, my friend, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay? Too often, they end up wanting to make the ex pay for the past sins and problems. And what ends up being a focus in your current relationship is how to punish your ex. And you don't want to do that. That's up to God to do. You need to move forward. You can't play the woulda, coulda, shoulda thing, right? But that verse in the verse, in all seriousness, where it says, do not take uh, revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, it is not okay to visualize what you would like God to do. Okay? That is sinful. (laughs) 
Some of you, in fact, we just need to stop now, get on our knees. Some of us need to repent right now, would you say? <laughs> I know some of you are like, how did he know? <laughs> the earth will open up and it'll swallow and I'll hear, help, and I'll go, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so here, here's what I want to say about, about the kids and the difficult ex, okay? Um. Imagine this, especially if you have little children. Imagine your kids have dual citizenship. Okay? They have dual citizenship in two countries. And they're loyal to both. Okay? As a parent, as an adult, you need to recognize that. So they have perfect, perfect, you know, uh, uh, allegiance to each family. So imagine how a child tries to sort that out. How do I stay loyal to mom and loyal to dad at the same time? Now, add in a civil war in the mix. Imagine if you had dual citizenship in America and another country. And that other country was at war against us. And imagine you're going to go on vacation or you're going to go visit your family members there. And you have red, white, and blue shirt. United States of America. Imagine what it would be like going into another country that is in conflict with us. And how it would make you feel. Because a child, that's how they feel. And sometimes as a pastor, I want to say to the adult, grow up and get over it. There's an African proverb. It says when two elephants are fighting, they have no concern over the grass that they're trampling on. And I think in parenting, sometimes that's the case. The elephants are fighting, the kids are getting trampled on, and no one cares. And so we need to recognize that the child has allegiance into both families. And they can't process it. So for instance, if... Your ex is always late, and they're late in picking up the child again. And they, you say to the, your child, man, I tell you, your dad is always late. That may sound like the truth, and maybe it is the truth. But for that child, it tears at them. Because they cannot process, he's my dad. I love him. How does that fit? And then here's the bigger issue. When they're late, it makes them feel like less than a human. And so, in the parenting thing, and I've said this to many of you, hey, don't say anything to your kid. I'll give you my cell number. You can call me up. You can rant and rave. I'll put my phone on my desk, and every once in a while I'll go, oh, and I'll put it back down. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I'll put it back down. Right? I have no idea what you're saying. could care less about what you're saying. But say it to someone who isn't that child. Okay? And so I think that's an important thing to kind of grasp and to understand. And then number five, uh, four, the last point is this. Facing God's grace. You need to look at it. Again, too often there's shame, there's guilt, there's all these negative emotional things that are taking place. And it's hard for a person to embrace God's grace in their life. 
And in Romans, and I won't read it all, but the very last part of Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, God demonstrated his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And see, here's the thing that you need to recognize. That if you feel a sense of shame and guilt, it's hard for you to embrace God's grace and mercy in your life. And so you kind of push back against it. And the one thing that a blended family and the one thing that a traditional family and the one thing that a single parent family needs is God's grace and God's direction and guidance and all that in it. And so you don't need to push away from it. Man, you need to embrace every ounce of His grace that you can experience in your life. Because you will not have healthy relationships until you're physically, emotionally, and the biggest one, spiritually healthy. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this opportunity to gather and Lord, Perhaps we have a person in our family, in our mind, in our hearts as we go through this of how they're struggling and wrestling with it. And Lord, my prayer is that we would take this information, that we would go and get alongside of them and we would encourage them in their walk with you and in their walk as a new blended family. Father, we pray that they will seek you, that they will fall under the authority of you and that you will use your spirit in a way of drawing them to you and father for the blended families that are here today we love them we want to encourage them to be all that you desire for them to be we want to come alongside of them and make them successful to beat the odds to succeed and to have a great blended family and father we give you all the praise and all the glory i just trust that you're going to do great things with this information and as we leave here today lord we want to thank you for your grace in our life. What a powerful verse that while we were still sinners, you died for us. While our life was messed up and we were disobedient, that you sought us, you died for us, and that you continue to seek us. And Lord, we give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, all right. Pastor Eric's going to close out.